0: Good evening. Good evening. Uh, feeling dry and out of the cold. These are freezing temperatures that I came to in Canada. I'm telling you, people stand to live here. No. Um, for those of anybody who's ever been here, my name is Don Woody, and uh, I'm a missionary with New Tribes Mission. And have been for many, many years, and I'm married to Janice, formerly Freeman. Rick's cousin, and uh, four great kids, and uh, you know it's just been an exciting time. Thank you so much for the invitation to come. And and um, Sunday we talked about the opportunity of missions in our backyard, and and uh, yeah, last night we kind of went of uh, task is being a disciple and raising disciples. Uh, I want to go through a certain passage of scripture that talks about our goal the purpose and the reason why we're here that is to bring honor glory this in a very African way see I was in Kenya it was just after Christmas and I'm backing out of the driveway that I was in and um, there met who was a, I I feel like, am I getting a lot of feedback or? I'm sorry? Okay. Uh, You probably could turn me off and I can be loud enough, I bet. Uh, I've got a big mouth, I admit it. I'm a preacher boy. I preach in the back row. Uh, My daughter, when she was oldest, when she was four years old and hearing me about talking about the method of preaching and teaching and, and, uh, she sang her first song in the choir at four years of age and came off and looked at me and said, Daddy, I sang to the back row tonight. <laughs> but uh, when I was in Nairobi, we uh, I, I was met by a man, and he was a student of the course that I taught, but he wasn't my student, he was a student from the year, and he started on telling me a story, and see, the Kenyans can never, it's not that they can't, they just don't get to the point they go way around the bush and uh, he says oh Mualimu. teacher over christmas someone broke into my house and they stole my chair and they stole my shirt and they stole my... and he proceeded to name it his... you know and it was gone and i'm i'm thinking you know am i very guided mind, okay how much money is he for and uh, this training center the, each course comes with a course manual and that becomes their reference library uh, and he said and they stole my manuals and he asked do you think it's possible for me to get another set of manuals you know of course I felt about this big I'll see to it. So tonight I'm going to go around the bush. It's going to be a very long introduction, but we will get because you see the scene, I want to talk disturbed. It isn't a thought, but as we look at scripture, you will. It's because if you grab hold of the truth and embrace this truth, you will allow this. You see your. Through This truth, and it will this is why we will resist. Are we you want me to change out, okay. This is why we will resist this truth that I'm going to share in just a minute. Some of you will probably push back and argue mentally with me as I share. Not that we ever do that with the pastor. You know, well, does he know about this verse over here? No, we don't do that. Uh, This message, this truth is disturbing and it is important because it is the framework on everything that you and I will ever experience in this life. As God gets us to embrace this truth, we will experience a peace and joy that God has intended to us from the beginning here it is the disturbing truth god's primary agenda is god god's primary agenda is his own glory his ultimate priority is himself At the top of God's to-do list, it says, my glory. And number two says, my glory. Number three says, my glory. And I don't know how far down God's to-do list you get to before you find Don Woody's happiness, even if it's on there. The disturbing truth is, God is stuck on himself. What? What did he just say? When I said that one time, I had a guy stand up, I object! And he went on a diatribe and proved everything that I was trying to say. If I say God is stuck on himself and you think there's something wrong with that, maybe it's because you don't think of yourself as too much different from God because if you were to say, oh yeah, that Don Woody, yeah, he's stuck on himself. I know him. See, it's a bad thing, isn't it? But for God to be stuck on himself, he's the only one that can because he's God. He's not one of us. We don't like this statement at all deep down the problem might be we don't really think that we are that much different than god j.i. packard says if it is right for man to have the glory of god as his ultimate goal can it be wrong for god to have the same goal if man can have no higher purpose than god and his glory how can god if it is wrong for man to seek something less than this Then it would be wrong for God, too. The reason is not right for man to live for himself as if he were God is because he or we are not God. However, it cannot be wrong for God to seek his own glory because he is God, God decided a long time ago in eternity past to declare his glory and it will be his agenda forever. A creator God did what a creator God would do. He created everything we see around us. You cannot look at nature without getting a good dose of God's glory. I don't know how many remember in like 1989 when the Hubble telescope got in focus. And you remember on Time Magazine I had this picture of this nebula and just, you know, we were able to see further, farther, greater with clarity for the first time in the history of our, of mankind and we're looking at God's glory. Yet God took it a step further than creation. For there to be maximum glory somewhere in God's creation, there had to be free agents. There had to be someone with the freedom to choose. Only then will God get true glory. Does it bring God glory when we willingly choose to believe, love, and then obey Him? The greatest thing that I can expect as a parent is that when my children are out on their own, that they of their own free will will come back and seek relationship with me. And so God made man in his image with a mind to know God, emotions to love God, and a will to serve God. Can you imagine what went on in heaven when word got out that God was going to create a being that could choose to walk away from God? Can you imagine the angel said, did you hear what? God's going to do what? That's crazy. What in the world is he thinking? I'm sure the discussion went rampant through the angelic host because, see, they didn't have, they weren't afforded that option. If they chose, they had one chance, boom, and it was done. I can imagine what they must have thought. But God knew. <clears throat> Excuse me. Surely you're not going to give them that, that option to man, God. But like every parent knows, God knew that when... That he would get the greatest glory from his creation that had the option not to choose to give him his glory that he deserves. Because when we choose to give him glory, it brings him greater glory. You can imagine when my four children were very small, and I I can't remember exact ages, but it was like 18 months and uh, maybe two and a half, three years and uh, two years, four years and five years old. I had all four children with me at Sam's Club. Now, y'all have what? Y'all have Costco here? Y'all, does Sam still work? No, Costco, okay. I have them at Sam's Club. I'm by myself, you know, me and the four kids, and, and it's lunchtime, and, and so I go over to the table, and I tell the kids, now, kids, I want y'all to sit right here because daddy's going over there to get in line to get lunch. You know, what well, you want, pizza, hot dog, whatever it is, you know? And as I walked away, I could feel the steely eyes of all the moms in the room going, what is this man doing? He's leaving those children all by themselves at that table. Where are these children's mother? And I kid you not, I'm standing in line, waiting my turn, you know, get up there. And this lady comes up to me in this extremely condescending voice and says, What have you done to your children? Excuse me? You told them to sit there at that table and they're obeying you. Yeah, that's right, they're my kids. Did my kids ever bring me glory? Oh, my goodness. You and I have the opportunity to bring God greater glory than the sun and the moon and the stars. Only those made in his image have the power to say, glorify yourself in and through me. I willingly and freely submit myself to your agenda instead of my own. But you know the story, Adam chose to sin and man has been battling to be on their own throne ever since. Ever since then, we go out of our way to organize our life around our agenda, our needs, our want. We treat God like he's small. We say, bless this plan, oh God, but if it's not your will, then just don't mess it up. Intuitively, we know that yes, it's all about God, yet we pray as if it's about us. We give, we worship as if it's about us. Typically, we pray to God with our deal. And we say, God, I have a will for your life. I want you to get involved with my deal. And if it's not your will, then just don't mess me up. In Jesus' name, amen. You know... Sometimes we hold out the hoop and we say, God, jump through my hoop. God, fix my problem. God, help me. Sometimes God is very gracious, and he does. But sometimes he doesn't, and we get all angry with God. Trust me, God is not concerned about your anger so much. He's not up in heaven going, oh, my goodness, they're angry at me again. What am I going to do? God is about His glory. Everything about Him is designed. what is the best thing, the greatest thing, that's going to bring me the greatest amount of glory? Miraculous deliverance are thrown to the lions. Whichever one brings him the greatest amount of glory, that's what He does. Jesus never compromises compromises the urgent for the ultimate. His ultimate plan will never be compromised by my urgent need. Now, the question is, what does God do with a race of people that have the greatest possibility to bring him the greatest amount of glory? What does he do when they choose to become traitors? What would you do with people that bear your image, They have that free will, they choose to walk away from your glory to seek their own? What would you do with a race of people like that? That's what we want to look at. Look at Philippians chapter 2 very quickly. Philippians chapter 2. Turn with me there. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul describes for us what God did in response to our rebellion. What God did in response to us trying to hijack the glory that belongs to him. This is God's response to the traitor race that took his gift of freedom and said, I'll show you as we ran off with the prize. And notice, it is the exact opposite of what we would do. God has leveraged even our rebellion for the sake of his glory because God will not be thwarted from what is rightfully his. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, "'Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, "'who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, "'but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant "'and coming in the likeness of men.'" And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under earth. Let's look at God's plan God said, I did the unthinkable on a hill called Calvary. I established myself for all time as the greatest one of all time. No one would send what is most precious to them into the enemy camp to die for the enemy. To which God says, exactly. I am God. I am like no other. Look at verse 6, God's plan. Jesus... I'm going to send you in as one of them, and here are the conditions. Verse 6, And being who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus could not play the God card on his behalf. Never once did God in a body get to play the God card on his behalf. We wouldn't have done that. Can you imagine, you know, before Jesus starts his ministry... You know, Mary says, uh, Jesus, would you run down to the bakery and get us some bread, please, and, you know, to the baker. And so he goes down, there's a huge line, and Jesus is like, you know, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I'm God. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, yeah, uh, you know, or he's out at a restaurant. Can we get some service over here? After all, I'm God. Not once could Jesus use the God card on his behalf. We use our own prestige card every chance we get. I can remember I was washing dishes in our house that, uh, with the, the kitchen sink had a window that looked right out onto the street, you know, and I saw this guy riding down on a bicycle and he would stop at the driveway and kind of look up and then go to the next one and kind of look up and just very suspicious behavior. And in the city of Sanford, they had just switched over to instead of a city, call in 911 to a county-wide call in 911. And and so I I call in 911 because I think, you know, this is very suspicious behavior. You need to send somebody out to check it. I'm like, yes, uh, you know, I'm at um, uh, 108 North Virginia Avenue. Can you send somebody? And And the lady just couldn't find me. You know, I don't know why she couldn't find me. Finally, I said, listen, I live in the same neighborhood as the mayor, the chief of police, and 40 city councilmen. Oh, okay, Mr. Woody, you know. We use our prestige card every chance we get. Jesus, who is God in a body, could never use the God card on his behalf. Verse 7, it says, He made himself nothing, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He made himself nothing, took on the form of a servant... Angels must have gone ballistic. God, you're going to do what? Jesus is going to do what? Isn't this the same group of people that treat you like dirt, that grabbed your glory and ran off with it, that think you're so small? And you're going to have Jesus humble himself and go in, and serve them. No one would do that. God and God says exactly. I am like no other. I'm going to leverage their sin and their treasonous ways for my glory. Because my agenda has not changed. Jesus verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and came, became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Jesus humbled himself and placed himself under the authority of the traitor race. God, God Almighty, you've got to be kidding me. In the midst of their sin and rebellion, I'm going to display my greatness in an unmissable way because I'm going to do what no one else would do. This one act can be pointed to now and forever throughout time as the greatest act for all time. No one will be able to miss my glory when they look at what I've done. It says that Jesus became obedient even to death on a cross. C.S. Lewis said that the cross never became a symbol of Christian art or jewelry or the central figure of our faith. Until the Middle Ages. You see, it wasn't until everyone who had ever seen a cross used had died. You know, we just fail in our attempts to communicate how horrible that is. But here's the reality. God the Father... Literally, it says that he satisfied his anger against sin. God beat his son and 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 beat his son 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 until God was satisfied against sin. Your sin and my sin. That's what it means. God, the Father, pouring out His anger and wrath on God the Son. For you and me. We would never consider doing this, but He isn't like us. Verse 9, Therefore we want to put us in this verse and say, wow, aren't we something? God loves me so much. Look what he did for me. That makes me special. And you know what? When the king gives up his son for the traitor race, it says something about the king, not the traitors. Do you see that? See, it's about God and his glory. Now, do we benefit more than anybody could ever imagine? Yes. Does God love us more than we could ever comprehend? Yes. But we see verse nine there God, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father everything about us exists to bring God glory and yet, in that same verse, we see that as a result of Christ's death on the cross, it allows us to come into relationship. And we get to call God, Daddy, Father, Abba, Dad, what? an incredible privilege that is where God almighty says yes now that you see what my son has done I want you to believe in him so that you can come to me and call me daddy and in so doing that brings me glory Nobody else gets that privilege. No one. We've been given opportunity to be sent into community. We have a task that's called disciplization, not evangelization, as much as disciplization. I don't think that's a word, Pastor Woody. It probably isn't. I think I just made it up. God wants us to be a disciple and raise disciples. Because in that, those get to call God Father. And ultimately, bring God glory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die a cruel death. You poured out every bit of your wrath. Not on me, but on your son. I am the one that deserves it. But you did it. You poured it out on your son so that at one point in time in an unmissable way every single human being, every single angelic host can point to that one thing Lord and say wow no one would have done that to which you respond exactly I am like no other I am Thank you, Lord, for being that for us, for me. Thank you, Lord, that I now have entered into relationship with you and can ultimately bring you the greatest amount of glory. I can bring you greater glory than the sun and the moon and the stars. I could choose to not bring you glory, but when I choose to believe and obey your words, it brings you the greatest glory, all based on the work of your Son. Encourage us tonight, Lord, with these words, in Jesus' name.